Blake. What a nice surprise. Do you have room for one more last soul? Of course. What happens to him now? Hello and welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Albie and I'm here with Matt Dale. And we are so very lucky today to have with us uh, the captain from A Little Miracle, Melinda McGraw. What's it like to be the captain of that episode? Hello, it's awesome. It's awesome to be the captain. I mean, she was, she was a very young captain. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Uh, you have been my like holy grail of uh, guests to get for the show for so many years now. I think uh, about Aww. seven. So I'm very, very happy and excited to have you on. Uh, for amazing. for us Quantum Leap fans, we like to uh, watch a little miracle every year, and we do a little another podcast about it. I think we have a nine hour podcast so far about this episode with all the different people, <laughs> creatives and actors and interviews yeah. from people. Why and it just became a, <laughs> yeah, it just became a Christmas tradition. So we're so excited to have you on because you're the main star of the episode. So uh, awesome. before we talk about a little miracle and your experience with quantum leap, can you uh, let us know a little bit about uh, how you got the acting bug, how you got in the business and like your early career before quantum leap? So, um, I am the youngest of three girls and we were, um, started life overseas. My dad worked for the government and there were no movies and no television. So all we did was little plays and stuff like that. So we, I was always really loved, uh, theater and putting on plays. I was more of a writer really. And I kind of thought that's what I would do. But then when I went to college, um, I kind of found maybe cause I've been doing it for a while, you know, um, I really kind of fell in love with it. And then I thought, oh, darn, I think I have the acting bug. And I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, but I decided, and I was going to Bennington College, uh, liberal arts college. And I decided if I wanted to be an actor to, that I really wanted to do it, I'd go to a conservatory. So I actually auditioned for some English um, acting schools, um, Lambda Central and the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, not thinking I'd get in, but thought, you know, well, maybe I'll go to grad school, but maybe if I get in, I'll. And I got a, a notice from um, the Royal Academy to try again the next time, and, and I got in. So I left college and I moved to London. I was 19, I think, um, maybe almost 20. And um, I went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And I, there was another North American girl Marguerite McIntyre, who's a wonderful actress, actually. Um, and then there were six other women. Oh, they, they used to take eight women and 13 men. And so, you know, played mostly English roles, learned those dialects and um, studied movement and, you know, was classically trained. We did some modern, you know, American, but it was really Stanislavski-based uh, studying as well. But we did a lot of the, the, you know, I trained for the theater. I wanted to be really trained. And so... That was a great experience. Some of my classmates, um, Clive Owen. Um, I don't know if you know, um, well, if you've ever heard of anyone named Ray Fines. <laughs> wow. A couple times above me. Um, Sean Bean had just left. Um, oh my gosh, there's there's so many. Fiona Shaw had just left. Juliet Stevenson. Ken Branagh had been there right before I got there. You know, it was just crazy. And um I just was steeped in that world and I ended up staying and I got my first job um, in a, with a company called Cheek by Jowl with um, 
another actor who was also at Rada with me named David Morrissey, who was playing Orlando. We did Twelfth Night and I was Mariah and we toured for a year around England and ended up um, playing like the equivalent of like off Broadway. I guess you would say it's the West End. But the, so that was my first job. And, and um, I learned bus and truck kind of one night, uh, you know, uh, one night in one place. You'd set, we'd set up the, the set, do the show, break it down, go to the room above the pub, spend the night, leave the next mm-hmm. morning in the van and go to the next place. So it was a great way to learn you know, the ins and outs of the hard work of theater. And anyway, I ended up staying in total about seven years in London and I was very lucky and I did a lot of theater and some American things. I was in the West End with a comedy called The Foreigner. Um, I was directed by Nicholas Heitner in a play. So a lot of theater. And then I got a show for PBS of uh, a play, a, a Clifford Odette's play. And um, so we did that. And I just thought it was so much more challenging because it was something I'd never learned before doing an episode on camera. So I, it, I found it was really challenging. So I kind of thought, well, I, you know, maybe I should go back to the States and there was a lot more than in the States on camera and give it a go. And um, so I moved to New York for a year. I just auditioned, auditioned, I was waiting tables and I had been, you know, doing well. So I really kind of had to start all over again. And then I was on hold for something out in LA and I didn't get it, but I thought, you know, I'm just going to give that a shot and see what happens. So I came out, audition, audition. I got to play out here. And then the first job I booked was a little miracle wow. quantum leap. And that is how I got my screen actor skill card is my first job. I knew nothing. Um, I barely knew what a mark was and Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell taught me everything to get me through everything. They just took me under their wing. Scott would reach under frame and reach his hand under frame to pull me onto my mark slowly during a scene. (laughs) And I remember the first time we shot our first thing and the director said, great, let's go inside. And I started walking away and Scott said, where are you going? And I said, he just said to go inside. He means, he means coverage. He means like we did the master and now we're going to do the I had no, no, no idea, nothing. Um, but you know, the role was very theatrical in a way. And so when I went in and I auditioned, I broke into that song and I started singing, bringing in the sheaves. Um, and then, you know, at, at the top of my lungs and I think that maybe that theatrical just risk-taking is what got me the part. <laughs> so that was um, you singing then? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that was yeah. impressive. Yeah, very, very well done. Well, I mean, I just think she was so pure, you know? She's just this choral director who just just filled with Jesus' love. And, like, this is her mission. Like, she was so pure. So, anyway... It, I was so excited um, that because I loved the show already, but that that was my first like American job. You know, it was great to get that. I still had to wait tables for a while longer, but you know, <laughs> you can watch yourself on the TV at the place you're waiting tables while you're while you're doing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> while while you're um, filming that episode and it's your first American television acting job, you get in your SAG card. Um, 
are you like deer in the headlights or did you have time to think about your character and backstory and, and different things while you're, while you're doing that episode? Yes. I mean, I just, I just, you know, had done some of that work for the audition, you know, that like who I thought she was and she was kind of, you know, um, maybe from upstate New York and, you know, uh, had maybe not the best family was wanted to make up for it and, you know, make, help other people less fortunate that she had found her way through the church and she wanted to just do her best and was very conscientious and just joy filled. You know, I think that that, you know, she wanted to spread joy and that was like her mission and was very outraged uh, at injustice and, you know, uh, felt quite protected by the love of God. <laughs> you know, I just think she was like a happy warrior, you know, it was kind of how I, yeah, but no, I mean, it was, oh my gosh, I was a deer in the headlights in the sense that everything was new, um, sitting around, joking around in between, having someone always, you know, touching up my makeup, um, having a little director's chair to sit in between that said cast on it and um, a dressing room. And, you know, in the theater, you know, you do your own makeup, you sometimes you share, um, you know, I had my own dressing room stuff. I never had anyone who maybe someone would help me with my wig or something, uh, you know, but, you know, it was a definitely very different, but the biggest difference was of course, how to understanding what different shots were uh, lengths of lenses. And that's where, um, you know, Scott and, and, um, Dean were, were incredible. And Charlie rocket, mm. um, rest in peace, Charlie rocket, um, as well. Um, who was so funny, but also really soulful. So yeah, the three of them, I mean, I just learned, I just listened like big ears, you know, and I was very, um, you know, thank goodness they were kind because I was, you know, vulnerable. <laughs> I, I guess one of the other major differences between theatrical acting and, and TV acting is the, that, preparation for a scene where in the theater you're doing all the the experimentation and everything up front and then going out in front of the audience in in tv it, it seems to be more scene by scene getting to do that kind of rehearsal and then and then go live did you get much of an opportunity to do that i don't know what michael watkins was like as a director did, did you get a chance to kind of play around and michael watkins i don't know if you know this is the first thing he ever directed Wow. We knew it was the first Quantum Leap. Didn't know it was his first direct. Wow. So yes. did you lean on each he other a little bit? As sort of so he was taking a risk on me for sure. Mm. You know, um, I was definitely much younger than the role was written for a 35 year old woman. And I was 25, I think 26. Um, and I was much more theatrical, I think, in, in a way, you know. Um, but he, so he was so great at the end. I mean, no, so he was helpful. Um, yeah, we got to rehearse, you know, he, he knew that it was new for me too. And so he gave me some time to figure things out. And we all, I mean, usually when you're doing television, it's very fast. So a lot of the rehearsing is you and the actors talking and meeting, you know, in the makeup trailer or like on the side because the director's busy helping set up shots. Then the director will come over and you'll have a minute, but a lot of it is, if there's anything, excuse me, before that. And then when you go on your marks, you know, you walk it through to find out what, 
what works, what kind of flow works out. But I listened to their ideas. I didn't have too much that was <laughs> uh, different from what was already either blocked or what the ideas they had. I mean, I watch it now and I can see how I'm a little mindful of the camera of not turning too much or, you know, I can see that I was green, you know, um, but I think my mind was on the roll. So it was uh, ended up being okay, I hope. But so it was just so much fun. I just remember it being a total blast. I loved it. Uh, working with Charles Rocket, um, and could you uh, tell us a little bit what that was like? He was, he's, in, uh, he was a, a huge intellectual, really, who, I mean, all three of them were, you know, but Charlie, I don't know, he was just incredibly well-read, intensely funny, a little hyper, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, really supportive, just super fun, like just really fun to be around, really inventive. I mean, um, really good actor. I mean, he was just a really good actor and, and super sweet. And, um, you know, he told me the story about what happened at Saturday Night Live. And, you know, I was gone. I was in England. <laughs> I missed some of that. So <laughs> he's kind of filling me in on like that cultural moment of, um, for your listeners, if you don't know, he accidentally swore uh, live um, and was canned for it. Um, you know, it was back before, I don't know if someone missed the delay or I, the before delays or, you know, I'm not sure what happened, but, um, he was just incredibly kind and um, charismatic. And we stayed friends. We stayed friends for a long time. Yeah, it was really nice. And I would run into him on, all the time in auditions and stuff like that. So, yeah, he's still a great guy. I just watched the episode again, uh, A Little Miracle, with my mother and my daughter. And uh, my mother said, you did really good. <laughs> um, oh, thanks, Mom. I, I watching it this time. I had a thought. I'm because like uh, you and uh, Scott Bakula's character are trying to uh, Scrooge. You, you're trying to trick him into going through his uh, past, present, and future. Like at the end, it seemed like well, you got married, had three kids. That that's was the future. And when when he came back at the end of the episode, uh, you, you seemed to be really affectionate towards him. But when, when do you think that started for your character? Like, uh, were you just trying to trick him at the beginning or did your character always have like a special feeling for him? Oh no. I think she wanted redemption for him and, oh yeah. saw the good man in him from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Very optimistic character. <laughs> But it also, uh, uh, the heart wants what the heart wants. I think it was a chemical thing. <laughs> I mean, I think it was like, uh-oh, one of those. <laughs> That's how yeah. I played it anyway. I love at first sight. Oh, I better cover this and get away from this guy. And mm -hmm. um, and then like, oh, if only he could be redeemed. He's not redeemable. But if I could, <laughs> if he really could redeem himself, you know. You did amazing with those doe eyes in the episode with, with just uh, emoting that, you know, we can kind of just feel what you're doing. I, I, well, I have a question. So did okay. you, did you ever think she was 
like manipulating him, you know, for some other reason that wasn't a high minded reason. I, I I thought it was manipulation to save the mission, I think. And, uh, yeah. you know, the plan with yeah. uh, Pearson, uh, Scott Bakula's character, to trick Michael yeah. Blake. So I was a little confused where the tricking him turned into the romance. So right. it, was, it definitely yeah. happened. But I was just wondering, you know, how much of it was real or genuine on her part. It, it felt yeah. like quite a natural like, progression. Sorry. Well, yeah. I think that she, you know, she keeps it. At, you know, when someone's dangerous, you're not going to let yourself go there, especially a girl like this. I think. But I think if there was ever an inkling, any little inkling, and also I think seeing him vulnerable when he starts to mm. yeah. wobble, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I knew it. I knew yeah. it. You know, let's see how far he can crack. You know. But I also, I think there's something though about, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, but when he shows up at the door, how adorable and hot is he looking? Pretty mm -hmm. hot. I mean, yeah. there's Charles mm -hmm. Rocket. You know what I think is so funny? Have you guys ever noticed what happens with his hair at the end? I don't think Oh, it I just have. completely messes up but between shots, basically. One shot. <laughs> totally messy because and then yeah. the next shot it's like superman it is <laughs> hilarious it's one of it's my favorite little like i don't know it's not an easter egg i guess but it's just oh my gosh it's one of those continuity things that really should make one of those reels <laughs> because it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen but he is so i think the way he shows up with his expression was just so uh, <laughs> dreamy i really do that for me like that was always like the that was the final sell it was like how could she not come on i mean he's a he's a long drink of water you know what i mean mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that yeah, the, so. uh, the focus on that relationship really gets stolen quite a lot from like right at the start in your very first scene when he turns to look at you and the look in his eyes it's obvious bang he, yeah, it's very clear yeah. what he's thinking. So, whereas, yeah, your your character just it's yeah, like Albie says, it's a little bit less certain exactly what she's thinking until yeah he starts to show his vulnerability. Yeah, those Salvation Army ladies, man, they're you know still waters, right? Mm. Maybe I should uh, visit the local Salvation Army. So you never know. I'm saying you <laughs> never know. Um, uh, I want to come back to Quantum Leap and talk more about A Little Miracle, but uh, after Quantum Leap, you've had such a prolific career. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the things you've done after that up until now. Like, uh, I was uh, surprised to find out that you were uh, Dana Scully's sister on X-Files also. Like, I knew y your character on that show, but I had no idea that you were the same actress that played him. I just didn't connect it. So what's that like being on X-Files and, and doing those episodes? That was very cool. I was doing a show called The Commish up in uh, Vancouver and became friends with, at that time, it wasn't quite the Hollywood North. It was the beginning kind of of that, of uh, Jake, uh, I mean, uh, Stephen Kennel built these, helped produce and helped, I think, build these studios up there. So we were doing The Commish and a couple of the writers went over to this new show, The X-Files. So when The X-Files came out, it was a very big deal in the television business. It was a genre breaking um, show that shot like a movie. And so mm -hmm. we would go visit 
you know, as act, we'll go visit and could not believe what they were doing, shooting on location, handheld stuff, you know, of this incredible films, quality stuff, the lighting uh, by John Bartlett was insane. And I was just like, I'm so in love with this show. So it, uh, when she got pregnant, they, um, I, they set up Chris Carter asked for a meeting with me. And I, I don't know if, um, why, why I was kind of in his mind or what we had met maybe. And, and, um, when Glenn Morgan and Jim Wong went over, uh, they, I, they knew me, so I, maybe they suggested me. But so they came to me and talked to me about coming on as a temporary replacement for her as a visiting FBI agent. Mm. Great. And I said, right. I, that's great. You know, five episodes, six episodes. And then they realized, because I'm a redhead also, that it was a little strange. Mm. And instead of saying, you want to dye your hair or whatever, <laughs> they said, okay, we're going to go a different direction. And here's trivia. The guy who was my boyfriend at the time um, had an audition and we worked on the audition a bunch. And then he ended up getting, it was Nick Lee who ended up getting Crycheck. Crycheck. So Ooh. he was wow. my boyfriend because he'd been on the, um, so they wrote the Crycheck character. And he killed and you. And came to me and said, they? how would you? Did, yes. Didn't he kill you in the end? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then they came to me and they said, how would you like to come on as her sister? And I said, great. And they said, what kind of character do you want to play? And I said, I want to play the opposite of her. Oh, made mm. me more like Duchovny, made me a total mm. believer. And so they made me a psychic. So mm. I was so lucky that they wrote that part was written for me. And, you know, this is one of those situations where it sounds like I'm talking about old Hollywood, literally, but that thing about who you know and you work with your friends, I mean, that is true. When they talk about schmoozing, it isn't like going to parties and like, hi, I'm the, it's, it's your community. You start getting to know each other, trusting each other. And so that's how I was invited into that. So I got to work with Jillian, who I love and, and adore and have been able to work with her since. We're not close, but every time we see each other, we're super happy to see each other. She lives in London now, but I'm so happy that she's gotten to do all these things because everyone knew that she was special, you know, and she was very young. I mean, I, she got that right out of drama school, I think. Mm. So, um, so it was great. It was super fun doing that show. All the crew were friends of mine already from the other show. And, um, and I loved it. And then even after I died, I got to come back as a ghost because that's yeah. the X-Files. So, <laughs> so, and the fans of the X-Files are amazing. They are really devoted and, um, you know, it's, a, it's still, I just did an, I did it in my first ever convention. I, you don't usually do those things, but I did go to one a couple of years ago, right before COVID, right before COVID. And it was so much fun. I mean, there's so many women who went into um, forensics because of that show. I, you know, I mean, it was really inspiring that, to meet them and uh, it was a great experience. I loved every second of it. I watched Christmas Carol last night, the uh, X-Files episode where uh, you're in the flashback. Oh, uh, so yeah. That, that makes two kind of Christmas Carol TV episodes so far. Hmm. Were there any other Christmas yeah. Carols you did in television? <laughs> I have done, I have a a rather uncomfortably large amount of television shows that did not stay on for longer than hmm. six months. <laughs> so Never made it to Christmas. I, 
<laughs> um, including a, a lot of sitcoms where we shot Christmas episodes. I do not know whether they aired or not. I'll have to say I have so many things that where we shot 13 and they aired six or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to have to think more deeply on that question. I will, um, I will send you a missive with the answer to that question. I'll have to think like back it. over the decades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I- I just want to say, going back to the, the point you made about um, Melissa and sort of being the opposite of Scully, and I, I love the relationship that you form with Duchovny so quickly because he, he's got that kooky side, she's got that kooky side, but in very different ways. And he's very clearly like, I, I have no interest in waving my hands over my my friend's mm-hmm. comatose body. Um yeah. It's just just such a such a lovely relationship that you two spark off together. Yeah, that was so well written, you know, that he would be like accusing me of being woo-woo. Yeah. And like mansplaining to me. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things that I really appreciated that it's like, yeah, okay. I see right through your BS. You know, you're just protecting yourself. And you know, you you want to make this uh all science that you understand. And uh, that you just can't, the lack of humility that he couldn't accept, there were things he couldn't understand. And, you know, so I, I, it was like, I will patiently wait for you to have your little tantrum. And you can either like, but while you're here in the world, instead of being between, why don't you like step up and be like a man, be like a human being and show up for your life, you know, and you're not fooling anyone. Like, I just love that, that they wrote her like she's kind of got his number. Yeah. But she's also someone she's not going to interfere in anybody's, you know, she's going to suggest, but not. uh, Yeah, I love my character. I think she was ahead of her time. (laughs) She's a psychic. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they gave her a lot of wisdom that I thought was cheeky, but like smart, not Mm -hmm. just, you know. Like, I would not say she was kooky. I I think she was pretty grounded, actually. I just think that she was comfortable with the mis- the mystery part and knew that there was stuff that, you know, she was just getting out of the way of, not manipulating, you know. But, but that's because that's I played her. So, you know, I have to play. I have to play someone, like, you know, totally on their side. So I... <laughs> I don't usually use adjectives that are like that, but. Well, you definitely, you made your mark on it. I mean, it's, I, I always forget you're only in a, a few episodes because it you just seemed to be so much a part of the early seasons. Well, that's the writing, isn't it? I mean, you know, they, they um, were it's very both. good. It's the writing creating, and the performance. Well, thank you. But <laughs> I think they're very good at creating uh, archetype. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some shows, part of the reason I think it's a survived is there's a kind of, there's these archetypal themes that keep coming in and it's, that's super rewarding. Yeah. I mean, I think we long for that, you know, in, in what we're watching. So that was really fun. Plus Duchovny's really, he's very interesting to work with. He's very different than most actors. Um, he's so, he's so dry. Um, and so it's, it forces you to find ways in, in to try to get to him you know? And so it was a perfect character for him in a lot of ways, you know? 
he's a very, very, very smart guy, you know? So it was interesting. It was an interesting experience working with him. Awesome. You worked with David Duchovny and Scott Bakula. You worked with Scott Bakula besides on Quantum Leap. You worked on other projects with him. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, just uh, working with him on many projects? What's that like? Yeah. So um, a few years ago, uh, I got to work with him on a show called Men of a Certain Age, which if you haven't seen it, it is completely worth watching. I, there's two seasons. You can stream it, I think, but it's also on DVD, but um, with Ray Romano and Andre Brower and him as three um, heading towards 50-year-old men called Men of a Certain Age. So I got cast as, so Scott Bakula plays a, an actor who's kind of aging out <laughs> uh, in, in, you know, in like where he was wanting to be a leading guy and not sure he wants to do it anymore. So I played a woman that he ran into who had been an actress, but who now wasn't and who didn't date actors anymore. And they kind of start this romance. So it was so funny to us that the first time we met was like my first acting job. And in the show, we had met on a commercial, you know, on like one of her first acting jobs. So it, we had a lot of fun. He is an extremely funny guy and a very warm, loving, supportive person. And just, I'm sure, I mean, he's the nicest guy in Hollywood. Like everyone knows it, you know, he's just a really um, spectacular person. But that show, um, Mike Royce is the executive producer unbelievably talented um sean header who you know just won the oscar for um coda um was one of the writers um just incredible writing and a, a spectacular show i was only in season two we, we were mm -hmm. really heartbroken when it wasn't picked up but yeah. no he was so much fun and we improved and we laughed so much and uh it was really a treat and then i a couple years later um well a couple years ago now i guess um, I went on NCIS New Orleans and played just a, a guest star, um, but was not the same as the role that I played for many years on NCIS, a recurring role as uh, Mark Harmon's ex-wife. Um, I also died in that show and came back as a ghost. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have a lot of a ghost, but I should just do a reel of just being a ghost. <laughs> um, but I do Relate have uh, many- yeah. Well, I have a lot of death scenes. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of death scenes too. So. So every time you and Scott work together, is it like, Oh, we're doing this again. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but of course that happens. He, you know, it happens. I mean, if you stick around long enough, we're still standing. Right. So you're going to run into each other. I mean, you know, and it seems to be like those circles. I don't know. It's, but, you know, he he can do anything. He's done Broadway, of course. He has an incredible voice and can play the piano and movies, of course. And, I mean, he's he's uh, a very, very versatile. And I think, I wouldn't say he's underrated because I think everyone knows, but I think, I think he, I think he could do anything. Did you see him in Liberace, in the Liberace mm -hmm. miniseries? Mm -hmm. Oh, he was so great. I try to watch him in American everything. Beauty. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. I never miss him in anything either. So, well, your fans know, your fans know how many. A little is. bit, a little bit. I, I talked to him on the phone. That's my lame claim to fame, I guess, you know, that's, uh, that's what I. It's more than I've done. 
Oh, that, yeah, that's cool. Um, he's super nice, right? He's really oh, nice. So guy, nice. Right? Yeah, he called me up. He was great. He gave me all the time in the world to talk to him. So he's a great guy. I mean, what you see is what you get. He's not, he's kind of a lot like his character on Quantum Leap. Like he's just this de- really decent, beautiful person. He really is. That's awesome. It's, it's good to hear yeah. that because we've never heard a bad word about him ever. I think no, maybe from him won't. once. That was about it. But, uh, so you have an amazing voice too, just from this episode, you know, we can tell cause, uh, you were singing that, those songs and stuff, the, uh, hems, carols, whatever they are around Christmas time. Um, did you ever do any, uh, other singing work or, 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 well, actually when I was in college, I was, I was double majoring in, in theater and, um, and African-American music. I was interested in being a jazz singer. Mm. Um, and then, you know, and I do sing, I sang one of my husband's songs, Steve Pearson, he composed for a movie, a song called Runaway Child. So, um, and I love to sing. I have never really done, I've sung on stage where I've never really been any musical per se. Um, but yes, I love to sing. I've never made my own album, but we had a band. My husband had a band for kids called Jambo and we toured around and I'm on both of those albums. And, um, so yes, I love to sing, but it's never been, um, you know, something that I pursued separately only as kind of something that I do as connected to my work mostly, but, um, but with these side projects, but, um, yeah, I would love to play a singer or in a biopic like that would be super fun. I'd love to do a cabaret. I love to sing. I sing all the time. My poor family, um, <laughs> sometimes a little loud, <laughs> but, no, you have a lovely yeah. voice, a lovely voice. Thank you. Uh, That's very nice. You. you have an upcoming project. I think uh, uh, Seth Rogen's involved in it, producing it. Yes, it is a very unique and hard to put into words project called Paul T. Goldman. It's going to drop on Peacock uh, January 1st, the first three episodes, and then an episode a week after that on Sunday nights. It is the story, a real true story of something that happened to a guy and the guy then wrote a book about it and tweeted at some directors and this director, Jason Walner, who directed the second Borat movie, um, picked it up and said, I'll make your, I'll make your story into movie. And so this man, Paul plays himself and everyone else is professional actors in the story. So it's a comedy documentary <laughs> drama um, and genre breaking, very unique. Uh, and I'm very excited for people to see it. It's very cool. That sounds great. Yeah, I can't wait yes. for that one. It's that not one for the kids. Now. It's not for the kids. <laughs> I would. Noted. Uh, no. yeah, thir- 13 and up okay. for sure. 13 and up. That'll be good. Yeah, yeah I, I love that. And we have Peacock already because we're watching the new Quantum Leap, so it's perfect. Oh, that's great. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I don't know if you want to cut that out, but he looks great. Oh, yeah, he's really good. Nice guy. He is. Great episodes, great writing, great acting, so mm. it's worth a watch. And they kind of keep the original – they're true to it is what I've heard, that there's like a really nice – you know, like they're doing the fans, mm. you know, right – yeah. Do you feel yeah. that way? Like it's fulfilling? Yeah, it's got the same heart to it, that same optimism. And um, yeah. 
It's hard though to replace those two. I mean, their relationship between, you know, Dean Stockwell and and Scott. I mean, they had so much chemistry. Dean Stockwell, what a guy. I mean, I basically was like, Dean Stockwell, you know, any advice for me? He goes, It's a roller coaster, kid. <laughs> it's like, grab on, it's a roller coaster. You know. He was so great. Oh my God. Oh. Sorry, that was something. That was the ghost of Christmas future. <laughs> I hope not Christmas, not a bad future, but the good future, guys. The good future. What are some of the memories you take away with you from your time on Quantum Leap uh, that we might not have talked about yet? Um, <laughs> sitting backstage, and I think, um, you know, kind of observing how much time you have off between shots. And that actors, sometimes the lead actors go back to their trailers, but the guest actors sit around talking. And I think that that was really interesting to notice that it was kind of like theater in that way, that your downtime, um, the people that are there all the time, they've got to go rest because it's it's really the hardest thing to do in in the business that I've ever experienced. And I've done a lot of things. I've been in the business. I've been an actor, professional actor. 38 years and in Los Angeles, 31 <laughs> years. Um, but I mean, what was it? 1991, right? When that episode was done, I think, but is it's the hardest thing in, in the business is these one hour dramas. So it makes sense that if you're on it all the time, you've got to go and rest when you can, but then the camaraderie between you, the other actors and the crew um, is it's, that's like, it's like theater times 10 in terms of the amount of people it takes to, to make it. And some of my closest friendships over the years have been with people on the crew because um, you're together. And it when, you know, there's that cliche, oh, it's like a family and everyone says it. And it's it sounds vague, but the reason is you're spending 12, sometimes 16 hours a day with these people month after month after month. And you do become really close and have to trust each other. And so a lot of my memories are, um, you know, become becoming friends with like the hair and makeup people and, you know, making those relationships and understanding this, um, the kind of fabric of uh, what makes the industry run, which is these people doing their job, trusting each other and making, you know, bringing their best to it and trying to make something that's going to be of value. And, so um, it set up for me like a work ethic. And I thank Scott every time I see him because I he really helped me. Every day he would come on in a good mood. And one of the things that I'll never forget is it was our first day shooting. We were outside, like I said. And the cameraman said, hey, Scott, how are you doing? And we were outside at Warner Brothers and there was a two, um, the, the sound studios. In between, there was the, the mountain range, the hills, and it was, I think it was um, like August or something, but it was like, it was beautiful. And he said, how are you doing? Good morning. He's like, well, morning to everybody, shaking everyone's hand. And this is like a few years into the show, right? And someone said, how are you doing, Scott? And he said, I'm doing great. Living the dream. We're living the dream. Just look at this, you know? And that was like his onset attitude. And I was just like, oh like humility, gratitude, humility, gratitude. Okay. 
and you know, I've kept that with me. I, I'm, I, I try very hard to, uh, to stay in that, um, mindset because, um, and he still lives that way. And, um, I think it's one of the reasons he's so beloved. If there was, and I had people say this to me and I agree with it. If there was an award given out in Hollywood for nicest guy and best person to work with, a lot of people would vote for Scott Bakula. It's just true. He's just, he's just a man. She's the real deal. Just hugely talented, generous, humble human being, you know? So I'm so blessed that that was the example that I saw. And it just like, I was just beginner's mind. I was just like, you know, a sponge and it just, just went right in my heart and in my mind. And, you know, I have people coming up to me. Um, people I met around that time were like, I'm a producer now and you were so kind to me. I was a PA and I'll never forget that. And, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, I saw him do that in action and I really took it to heart. And I, you know, I, I think that, um, not everybody's like that. So, so for everyone who loves this show, like the heart you're feeling from him, like that is real. I don't know if it's the time of year, but that's just made me feel so Christmassy and warm inside. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so proud of that episode and I'm so glad people think it's a classic and I'm, you know, um, I, my daughter's never seen it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get that one out and show it to her this weekend Do. before we head home back east for the holidays. What are you guys doing? Are you gonna be stay? Are you traveling? Or are you staying put? I'm, I'm staying put. Holidays, my whole yeah. family's in this yeah. this this small house here. So yeah. Oh, that's nice. And we're you're staying put too, Albie. Yep, we're gonna be watching Christmas movies and Christmas TV episodes that we watch every year, and doing some holiday baking, that kind of stuff opening presents are you in now are you in new york or you're in uh, uh florida i'm on the uh southwest florida there's a lot of florida in this new show i was just telling you about oh really oh florida man yeah, yeah i know that guy <laughs> <laughs> so it should be interesting i think i saw a preview for that on peacock i think it was yeah but it looks interesting but anything with seth rogan involvement i know it's going to be interesting crazy. interesting so is the word watch. yeah yeah. Oh my gosh. He's, um, yeah, he's a trip. Um, well, I'm glad you guys don't have to travel. We are getting on the airplane mm -hmm. really early tomorrow, <laughs> <laughs> but our whole family's back East. So, you know, all our extendeds, so it's worth it to us. So we brave it and we do it and got to see AVs and everybody. That's awesome. We really appreciate you coming on and, uh, we appreciate you being a part of our Christmas uh, rituals every year watching this episode. And uh, I think you that makes me so happy to think that people are still enjoying it. I can't tell you, you know, you never think of that when you're doing something, you never occurs to you like that years from then people are going to look for at some TV show, you know, that is just very moving and it's really sweet. So I'm so grateful you guys reached out to me. And if you have any more questions, I'm not going anywhere. I love talking <laughs> about quantum leaf and Christmas, two of my favorite things. We, we appreciate you giving us uh, the sense of what it felt like to actually be there and film this episode. So I, I think that adds to our experience now. So I appreciate it. And thank you for coming on. And uh, we really appreciate having you on. Thank you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas and lots of joy to your families and stay safe. 
Happy Christmas. <laughs>